week on the Off the Crossbar podcast. The NLL returns to Montreal. Pat Gregoire will be there, and so will our guest Bruce Codd of the Toronto Rock. We keep things positive and give you another round of box bets. Plus, we break down week 11 and get you set for a wild week 12. All that and more coming up right here on OTCB. Ladies and gentlemen, alongside Pat Gregoire, my name is Teddy Jenner, and boy, have we got an absolute beauty for you tonight. Penalty kill, over. Thunderbirds go back to Look at that magic from Cody Jamison. Oh, Cody Jamison, are you kidding me? Call Sports Center. This one is a highlight of the night. Goes through the wickets. An unreal finish. Double team on the ball carrier here. Still got it. Scores. Clip it for Walter. What an effort. It's in the hands of their old pro Jeff T. He finds Connor Kiernan. And there it is. Kiernan gives the Riptide the lead. Missed on the left of Del Bianco. That one comes all the way up the floor. Here comes Simpson. Shoot. Scores. Shane Simpson. The Hamilton boy puts Calgary up by one. Thompson spinning, still has it. Flips it in front to Bomberry. Bomberry in front to Q, the shot he scores. Q got open and buries it. Crawford from behind, so we're going to play four and four up top. Crawford tries to <laughs> What a goal! Second half of the season officially begins, and boy, what a way to start. The first ever Unbox Series game goes this Friday in La Belle Provence at La Place Belle in Laval, Quebec. Pat Gregoire will be there, along with the big dog Ashley Docking and John Abbott. But man, welcome back to the Off the Crossbar podcast. Patty, what is going on? Bonjour, mes amis. Uh, welcome ah. to French. Yeah. It's not doing so great, but that's that's uh, that's why they're bringing the RDS crew, <laughs> yeah, and uh, not worrying about myself, John, or the big dog to take care of any English. But uh, staying in downtown Montreal, um, but seeing some photos here and some sights and sounds and some whisperings, it sounds like it's it's going to be a great day tomorrow. Uh, it sounds like uh, you know ticket sales have gone pretty well. Um, there's a buzz around the lacrosse community here in Montreal and the surrounding areas about this. I'm looking forward to it, man. I, I think, and don't get me wrong. I was super stoked for it from the day we found out that this was a thing, but over the past couple of weeks with the emergence of the New York riptide and how, Toronto's on a little bit of a, a skid here, losing two of their last three. This game just means even so much more. It's not just about growing the game in Montreal. Uh, in the standings, this is a massive, massive game. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it couldn't come at a better time. I think, you know, early in the season when Toronto and Albany were on that hot start, I was like, oh, man, when do we get Albany-Toronto? And it's like not till week. 19 or something like that so it's, mm-hmm. it's pretty cool that the timing has worked out 
that you got a red hot riptide, the rock that are still six and two atop the NLL tied with Albany. Um, you mentioned, you know, a bit of a dip who's in two of three, but still one of the best teams in the national lacrosse league. And you got the stars in town, you know, Jeff T has been courted by the Montreal Canadians the past couple of days. He was out there with UP <laughs> in the, uh, the ATV cruising around on the ice, the Habs game. He was on the ice during intermission, shooting at targets, dumping buckets of water on guys. Um, <laughs> just so cool. Uh, I, I kind of wish they might've had like a, a rock player up there with them just to kind of, get both teams some exposure. But uh, as Adam Levy tweeted out, is this something that we should get used to uh, Jeff T being in Montreal, a little tongue in cheek, but you know, there's always speculation, especially when teams are doing poorly in attendance, but awesome job by everybody involved so far. Uh, I cannot wait to see how things break down in that game. I can't wait to see the crowd, the atmosphere. Um, you know, I, I, I remember being, um, in Montreal, playing against Montreal when they were originally in the league in that first year, and you know they were seven to ten thousand, depending on on the, the game of fans, and it was a rocking atmosphere, and they were doing the Ole Ole chants, and it, it, it was something to behold. And I do wish that they had stuck around, um, but c'est la vie, as they say. But we're back, and. This is going to be an unreal experience. Uh, the first NLL Unbox series, um, the Quebec Beavers are, are going to be rampant. <laughs> I I hope I really do hope that uh, you know some of the uh, some of the things that we saw with not just the Express in years past, but just like the the traditions of, of Montreal hockey and the Habs and the Canadians, mm-hmm. the OLA chants. Um, you know, it'd be awesome to hear that iconic goal horn uh, being used for goals. I'm really looking forward to it. And I think it's, you know, I know this is a home game for New York. And I know a lot of people are like, well, I think a lot of, a lot of folks from Toronto are going to make the trip up. I definitely think friends and family and some hardcore fans will. But the, you, you, got, you better believe the local folks in Laval are going to be cheering for, for New York. Yeah. The last thing they want to do is cheer for a Toronto <laughs> yeah. team. Are you kidding me? Yeah. There is no way. That is going to be a pro riptide crowd. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. And as much as the league wants to say, it's for growing the game of box across, getting to a, a market that they once were many, many years ago. Ultimately, this is a tester, and I think the Montreal Canadiens, obviously being tied to this event, it's it's too obvious that this yeah. is something to see. And that building in Laval, I think, is the perfect NLL size. I think that the fact that we have such a, a, a budding community of lacrosse here, we're seeing more and more players develop from that junior C team that won the Meredith Cup, move on to junior B, junior A, now the NCAA before you know it, we're going to have more than just Steph Charbonneau uh, yeah. playing in the National Lacrosse League. And a little spoiler, sounds like Ooh. Steph Charbonneau will be in the building as well, yeah. which is really, really cool. So yeah. um, I talked to him at the Vancouver game a few weeks ago and asked him about it. And he's like, yeah, you know, this was, again, a couple weeks ago. He's like, the buzz isn't quite there, but he's like, I got friends and family asking me about it and they're talking about it and, and the buzz is there and he's excited to get back there and, and watch. So um, 
it's it is pretty cool. Uh, sidebar: If you do speak French um, and you can understand it, JPL Lacrosse on Facebook. A couple guys out there um, are are doing a bit of a French podcast, and they've been kind of talking about this game coming up, and and they've got some good stuff going on. So give them a follow uh, on Facebook, and like I said, if you speak all français. You can definitely uh, learn some things, enjoy some things, and uh, and listen to a good podcast. He is uh, P. Greggy on Twitter. I'm at Teddy Jenner. The show at OTCB underscore podcast or on the Instas at OTCB podcast. Also happy to announce that along with most other of your favorite podcasts, writers, columnists, etc., are on lacrosse content daily. Uh, you can it's one giant hub for all of your lacrosse needs. So make sure you're giving them a follow. It's a nice new project that's kind of been kicked off ever since the flash kind of took a hiatus. So lacrosse culture daily is, is another area where you'd be able to find this show across classified coaches calls uh, and a bunch of other stuff that's out there. So make sure you give them a follow as well. Uh, Have you had any poutine yet? No, no poutine yet. I think I got to I think I got to wait till after the game. (laughs) Cause you got to fit into your suit. Exactly. New suit. Can't be spewing out of out of that suit. Uh, so <laughs> the the cheese curds are definitely not the lightest. Uh, of, but True. of course, we're in Montreal. I might try to get a corned beef sandwich while I'm at it too. The cuisine here is great. Um, I the one. So first off, again, M- Montreal, awesome city, beautiful city, um, great great spot. Um, Myself and Ashley Docking and Joe uh, Del Busso, our stats guy, have been tasked with deciding where we want to go for dinner tonight. Normally, it's either uh, Peter Buchanan, who is our our producer, or Joel Feld. He's in town as well, Um, obviously with the NLL. They're usually the guys that pick the spot. Us three now are in charge because they're busy with some meetings and stuff. There's too much good food here. <laughs> we're, we're like, we're freaking out. We can't decide what we want. Do we yeah. want Italian? Do we want a steakhouse? Do we want maybe something more authentic to, to, to Quebec? Do we do a, like a, a pub that has, you know, poutines and things? There's just too much good stuff here, man. Yeah. It's too good. Um, I don't know. So again, by the time this podcast drops, uh, it will be too late. So <laughs> the, if you had any suggestions a little For bit too time. late. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, first world problems, I guess you could say. Right, Teddy? Yeah, that, that is what they say. I'm still trying to figure out if I'm going to have nachos or a hot dog at the Scotty's Tournament of Hearts Saturday night in Calgary. Yes, so. that's awesome, man. Yeah. That is great. Um, week 11 in the NLL is in the books. And another interesting one maybe is how I'll say it. Uh, you're getting the teams that should win games or winning games. You're getting some dramatic finishes. But – 12 10, 14 13, 14 12, 11 10. Like all these games are so close these days. It is incredible to watch. Uh, you were there for the Vegas Halifax game. Uh, young Aaron Woods is having a bit of a hey, how are you moment in his first two games. Six, bo- six points again this weekend. He's got 12 and two. Halifax hangs on for a 12 10 win. Can this be a turning point for Halifax, Patty? I think it is a different look, a different player, a different, just a different dynamic to the offense that is very dynamic. But it, it you know, 
when you look on that left side, you look at a guy like Dawson Thieve, he can crash, he can bang, he frees up space for guys like Cody Jamison and Ryan Badesh. On the right side, though, a lot of talent, like a lot of great players. Randy Stotts, I know he's out right now. Clark Peterson on the precipice of becoming a superstar in this league. Uh, Austin Shanks can't score right now to save his life, but putting up a ton of assists. Um, those three guys there, though, like they want the bones uh, in their stick. They need their touches. They didn't really have a guy that plays really, really well without the ball in his stick. And I yeah. think Aaron Woods comes into that lineup and he does all the little things, but he goes to show you that when the ball is in his stick, even though it might only be in there for one or two seconds, he can make you pay. And and because there's so much attention on Shank, so much attention on Peterson, it frees up. Um the thing, unfortunate thing for him is he's not sneaking by anyone on scouting reports anymore. Yeah. We'll see what he can do now uh, with a little bit of attention here. But I think the big ultimate scope of you saying, like, is this a turning point? I think it is because despite it, it end up getting a little bit close here. Talking to Mike Kikurzi all week long and some of the other players and coaches, the killer instinct was a, was something they stressed and not allowing teams to get back and keeping their yeah. foot on, on the gas. Sure. They did have a couple of lulls here and there, but when it push came to shove down the stretch, they stretched that game out. They stretched that lead up enough when there was that pushback near the end for Vegas, it, there was just not enough time. Yeah. And if they can find ways to finish off games, this is going to be a really tough team, a tough out. And that Vegas team, man, I know they're three and five. Obviously, they beat some really, really good teams. I was really impressed with them. They work hard yeah. on both sides of the ball. They're young. They're athletic. This is like Coach Williams has a, a great core here. Uh, this this team has has some potential. There's no denying that. It'd be interesting to see how this Halifax team kind of continually moves forward because everyone, you know, always has them as one of those upper echelon teams. So if they can start to string some wins together and get some confidence, I believe this Halifax team can do some damage. But the one thing that just concerns me is their ability, like you said, to, to keep teams down when they're down. There, There's too many moments in games you're like, uh-oh, up by two or three late. They're like, okay, are, are they going to collapse? So. Uh, they held on this weekend. It was past weekend against Vegas. They're now five and three uh, in the upper half of the standings in a playoff spot. They got to start putting some games together to keep things going. The team that has been in the championship the last two seasons, the Colorado Mammoth, are three and six after dropping an overtime game to Panther City. Jonathan Donville scores the winner. Rookie Ryan Sheridan had a five-goal night. He wins Rookie of the Week. But are the Colorado Mammoth in trouble? I know our buddy down there in Georgia, Big Mike, uh, has been calling for the rebuild to start and to blow it up, even suggesting that Dylan Ward should be traded to Rochester. But this Colorado team just doesn't look the same as they have in the past. Maybe teams are starting to figure it out. Uh, their transition game hasn't been as dynamic as in years past. Dylan Ward hasn't been the same. What do you make of this Colorado Mammoth team right now as, as they are continuing to flounder? I think it goes to show you just how valuable Dylan Ward has been with this group for so long. Um, because when he's not on top of his game, 
this defensive unit obviously shows that there are some wars. And I know Ward has gotten a lot better over the past couple of weeks, but I mean, when you look at the, that from that standpoint, but on the flip side, outside of like Eli McLaughlin, um, him taking over a game, the offense really just doesn't scare me at any yeah. points. They're too much of a lot of the same, a lot of outside shots, a lot of perimeter. They're missing Ryan Lee. And I know you can say, well, they've missed Ryan Lee before, but this year, it is so apparent how important Lee is to that offense because they miss that guy who's not afraid to just drive to the net. When things aren't going well, they'll just take an isolation one-on-one and make something, nothing out of, you know, make something out of nothing. Um, it, the offense just has no identity and they've been so searching for a long time, Teddy, and it just hasn't came. And I don't know if it's going to come. And if it does come, Unfortunately for them, it's not like in years past where they turn on the afterburners down the stretch and sneak into the playoffs. Like with the unified standings, I don't think there's that luxury anymore. Yeah. And and it's not often that we see, you know, this team giving up boatloads of goals. It's usually their defense that is just shutting the door and kind of making up for the lack of offense every so often. But Zed Williams only has 12. Chris Wardle only has five. Dylan Kinnear only has five. Gibby's got 10. So, you know, Connor Kelly's been a massive bright spot for them coming into that offense to make up for Ryan Lee, but no one's making up for Ryan Lee. So you're right. This no. offense needs to get into that groove. You know, Jason Bishop is an incredibly bright mind out that offensive gate as a, an OC. But I think teams have just kind of figured them out a little bit, and, and they're going to have to find something, change something to really turn this around. Um, but it is it is very concerning to see you know, the back-to-back Western champs struggling and maybe not even making the playoffs this year. Uh, Do you think GM self maybe makes a move? Because we've seen in years past, he's not afraid to make a brash move. And, like, I don't know who the guy is to bring in, but I think you're at a crossroads. And, and again, um, big Mike down south, I think he's on to something saying, like, a move should be made. Now, do they blow it up? Did they trade Ward? Absolutely not. But I wouldn't be surprised if you, you shake something up and maybe you, you don't sell the farm or, or, or uh, jeopardize your future, but maybe you bring in a guy that can help you change the way the offense works now without mortgaging your future and making sure that's a young guy that you can also grow. Because if you do miss the playoffs – you're not worried about, you know, oh God, we, you know, we traded away X amount of picks mm-hmm. in this expiring contract. I just, to me, he's a guy that has not, never sat on his hands before in the, in the short time that he's been a GM. But at the same time, it's like, it's, it's now or never because give it one or two more weeks and then you got to be a seller at that point mm-hmm. or you sit on your hands and wait for next year. Yeah, I could see them if, if they lose a few more leading up to the March 12th trade deadline, I could definitely see them being sellers. What do you think about Zed back to Georgia? Oh, man. Could you imagine that? And it, it seems – I know Georgia's picked up a couple of nice wins over the past couple of weeks, but, you know, they're kind of missing a, a little bit of, a, of that type of element with Zed. And, and, and Georgia's not an easy offense to play in. No. Why not bring back a guy that has played in that offense, knows all those guys, fits in that locker room? Mm-hmm. Man, oh man, 
You've just you've just opened up a can of worms. I think I think I think we need to cook up a potential deal between yeah. the two teams here. I like that. It, it just kind of popped in my head somewhere where Zed could go, a guy they they could probably get you know some value from because you're you're prop you're not trading Liger, you're not trading C Rob Connor Kelly. You just brought in, so you're probably not moving him. It, it maybe it's Tyson Gibson, but he's kind of found some new life in Colorado. Chris Wardle might be a guy that I, I could see them moving. Um, as a, a West Coast guy, maybe a little easier to move him. So, you know, Zed just kind of seems like the guy that, that might be the easiest to move as an Eastern guy kind of traveling in and out um, that does, like you said, have some com- connection with that Georgia team. So, uh, but a big win for Panther City. Uh, Ryan Sheridan with his best game as a pro. This could be a scary offense if, if he starts to figure out and Knox starts to figure out to really balance the Donville, Crawford, um, Malcolm trio. Uh, I, I, a few weeks ago, I said that, you know, this team needed to find uh, identity and that they play their best lacrosse when they are down and out and people start to doubt them. That's what it was last year, but they've proven too much. Now the fact that everyone's off the bandwagon and people are doubting them again, they're playing a lot better. Yeah. And I think it's like, let's just block out the noise. Let's block out the expectations and let's just play Panther city lacrosse. And that offense, when you add, like you said, have some consistency from a shared. And when you have Knox able to, to fit in, it's just, I, I know they're great players and, and Donville and Crawford and Malcolm, you're never going to shut those guys down. But, like, if you can contain them, yeah. you're okay with, you know, allowing those other guys to hurt you. Unless they, they do what they did this past weekend. Sheridan goes off for five. We've seen Knox take over games. So, it, it then, you know, then it really causes concerns for defenses that you can't just put your full focus in. Like, look at Crawford. Crawford, it was just an okay game for him. Yeah. But other guys were able to step up. And in, in weeks past, in games that they lost, it's because teams were shutting those guys down or containing those guys, and other guys weren't stepping up. Panther City wants to get in the playoffs. It has to be more than the three-headed monster. It's got to be more, and that's what we saw there. And, and kudos to those guys for stepping up in big moments. Uh, Panther City currently 4-4, four and four, sitting in that coveted eighth seed. Um, so – Possibly a team that could be in the playoffs when all is said and done. Those were the two Friday games. Saturday, Georgia held on to beat Rochester. Rochester came all the way back in that game, but Andrew Q scores the game winner late. They add one more for a 14-12 victory, and you kind of mentioned it. You know, Georgia finding some ways to win games uh, the last, last couple of weeks has kind of brought them back into relevancy. Rochester, much like Colorado, starting to fade away. So let's focus on this Georgia team. We thought we had mushed Brett Dobson after he came on the program <laughs> and then they kind of went in the shitter. But, you know, he's starting to, to settle back in and, and Lyle's being Lyle. You know, Jacko's starting to heat up. They're getting a transition game from from McIntosh and Wiedemann and TJ Camizio keeps continuing to improve. I think this is a Georgia team that will be very scary Come playoff time. Yeah, they're the way that they're built from their back end out. Like if Dobson can get back to where he was and where we know he can be, that defense is just so athletic. Uh, they've got some studs back there. And you know their offense. 
are going to score goals. They they might go cold for stretches, but there's just too much talent up front there for them not to figure things out. I think they get a little bit, you know, enamored with like when Lyle's going, it's like just give Lyle the ball and, and let him do his thing. Um, and that kind of sometimes can hurt them. I also think they fall in love with the outside shot. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it sometimes works when Q is is bombing them from the outside, but sometimes when it's not sinking, it can really hurt them as well. But like you said, I think the way that they are built in the playoffs, a one and done in the first round, they're going to be a tough out. They really are. But Brett Dobson will, will take this team as far as he can. Like when he goes, this team goes. Uh, I know that's a lot when it comes to the National Lacrosse League with goaltending. It's a goaltending driven league. Um, but if, if they go on a deep run, it's going to be on, on the back uh, of Brett Dobson. The Calgary Roughnecks get a much-needed win in Calgary as they split their home-and-home. Home. They never trailed. They win 11-10. We kind of talked about Toronto losing two of three, but for the Calgary Roughnecks, they, they seem to find a spark. Their transition game was outstanding. Shane Simpson continues uh, to pick up the slack that is not coming from Zach Career, who still hasn't scored a goal this year. But if Calgary can get some momentum, uh, this is a team that knows how to win. They're a very confident group, and Josh Sanderson is starting to get his guys to believe in his system. Just, you know, even though they lost uh, in that game that you guys called uh, in Calgary, um, and Sanderson and some of the other folks on that team said that was their best effort. And I know they lose, and they, they feel like they deserved a better fate. Uh, I think they used that and built that momentum going into Hamilton. Uh, for for them, it's you are spot on though. Um, when you think of of the Roughnecks last year, you think of that deadly transition, and it just can't be Simpson. Other guys got to get going, and I know Simpson was great, but their their offense. Don't get me wrong; it's dynamic. Uh, King, I think you know King is probably one of the most underrated players in the National Lacrosse League. Um, you know Tanner Cook is becoming one of the most you know, electric players to watch, a power forward, uh, you know, a throwback. Yeah. Um, Aiden Dixon is coming into his own as well. But the offense isn't, in my opinion, strong enough to, to carry this group. What's going to carry the group is the goalie and that defense and that transition. And it finally came to life um, the last two games. I know they lost the one. Um, but for me, it's – it's they were back to playing Calgary roughneck style of – cross and the offense looked much more cohesive this is a group that i think again they're going to be swimming upstream here but if they get into the playoffs nobody and i mean no one is going to want to get these guys in a one-on-one and done matchup they have all the tools and have proven that they're a team that can go on a deep run the new york riptide were down seven two at halftime to the San Diego Seals. They easily could have folded the tents, mailed it in, but this is a different New York Riptide team. They outscore San Diego 8-1 in the second half, taking a 10-8 victory. Jeff Teep leads them again. Cameron Dunkley was phenomenal in the second half. This is a very, very different New York Riptide team. Ever since they got that first win, when Dan Latasur made that emotional speech in the locker room saying, this has to be our identity. This has to be 
a concerted effort each and every week. And it was really impressive to see how they shut down that vaunted San Diego offense. They were able to get inside that vaunted San Diego D and were able to score on the really impressive Chris O'Riglieri, who has been outstanding the last few weeks. What did you make of this second half? And was it San Diego just kind of taking their foot off the gas and being like, oh, yeah, we got this? I don't think so, man. I think this was gut check time from from New York. Talking to a lot of players this week and folks around that organization, there is so much belief and confidence in this group. And there has been for a while. I mean, you heard Riley O'Connor a couple weeks ago tell us, like, you know, when they picked up that back-to-back win, he said, like, (laughs) we're not surprised. Look look at our roster. We're gross. Mm -hmm. Like, we should be picking up these wins. We should be there. This the, We are behind schedule. Um, and I think the fact that they were not happy, I shouldn't say not happy, but not content with picking up those wins, it has allowed them to just continue to stay the course. Because if you're a team that is unexpected to go on this run and you get punched in the mouth, you might be like, ah, like you just don't know how to deal with that adversity. But they were, you know, they're, they're pissed off that they were down, but, from what I heard inside that locker room, some of the veterans stepped up and said, listen, we've been here before now. You know, we know we can come back. Um, You know, we've been in a situation on the other side of the floor. Look at that Buffalo game. Look how quickly they were able to close the gap. Uh Boys, no lead is safe in this league. We we can claw back into this game. And that's exactly what they did. And um, I I think obviously Jeff T, no doubt MVP of this team. You could put him in the conversation for MVP of this league. Cam Dunkerley, He's right there, too, for this team. He's so important, 52 saves. But the presence that Stephen Keogh has brought, this is a guy who had zero points. The impact, though, that he has in the locker room, that he has on that bench, has changed the complete dynamic of the belief in that team. His calming presence has allowed these guys not to panic when they go down early. And it was on full display. And if he's the type of guy, it's awesome to see. If his shot's not sinking, he's like, boys, don't have it tonight. You take the ball. I'm just going to take a beating. And all he's worried about is grabbing loose balls, setting up plays, crashing bank. And and he'll recognize it early. And that's kind of what he did. He had a line of zeros. But he still was so damn effective in that game. Yeah, it's incredible that – a simple addition like that can have such an impact, but it is that sort of veteran experience on that team. Kyle Matisse is there. Dylan Edwards is there. John LaFontaine are there, but uh, a front door veteran like Stephen Keogh has been there, done that, seen everything, the highs and the lows of the National Lacrosse League, and he's just fit in. And it's crazy to think that Rochester was unable to use him, and, and now he's having success with the New York Riptide. Um, Can I give you my hot take for this week right now? Please. I would love to hear it. Um, The New York Riptide, who are currently in a playoff position. Adam Levy mentioned this to me. Maybe when they won their second game or when they won that back-to-back, he said, this should be your hot take. The New York Riptide will make the playoffs. And I was like, "Eh, I'm not quite ready to jump on that yet. And then, of course, now they've won four in a row and they're in a playoff spot. But my hot take this week is that the New York Riptide will host a first-round playoff game. We've got to play Saskatchewan twice, Albany twice. 
but they got Toronto, Colorado, Vancouver, and a couple other teams. And most of the teams they're playing are below them in the standings. I really think that this is a team that if they continue this run, will host a playoff game. And that would be a massive, massive coup for Dan Latasur and his group. So uh, Burning Take presented by Warrior is up on social media now. It is that this week that the New York Riptide will host a first-round playoff game. Wow. So that means they'd have to jump Georgia, Buffalo, and Halifax, and maybe even potentially, let's say, a team like an Albany if they if, if they fall off. Uh, like I said, they play Albany twice. So, I mean, the way the schedule sets up, it's 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 crazy to hear it off the jump. But when you dig into it a little more, maybe, yeah. maybe they are the hottest team in the NFL right now. It is true. Uh, final game of the weekend, the Saskatchewan Rush outscore the Vancouver Warriors 7-3 in the second half to pull away and win at 13-9. Keegan Bell scores a couple goals in transition. Frank Chiliano was settled in between the pipes. Um, you know, I love the fact that – and Jumbo and Brad kind of made this comment on the broadcast. Yeah, they wanted to give it to Keegan Bell going for a hat trick. But the fact that Jimmy Quinlan and Derek Keenan gave that penalty shot to Patrick Dodds, a, a young man that's been struggling, uh, been on the schneid for a little while, just not feeling the confidence. Hey, go out there, get the easiest shot in all of lacrosse, a penalty shot breakaway all by yourself, make your move and bury it. And I think that could be a, a real boost for Patrick Dodds. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. And, and Brad breaks it down pretty well on his podcast this week with coaches calls and positive, uh, affir- affirmation, uh, affir- that's the word, you know, it, come on. Positive. Aff- Why can't I say this word right now? What am I affirmation? looking for? Affirmation. There we go. Oh my God. <laughs> Did you just have a stroke? That was insane. <laughs> that's something that, that's something that is, is really big. And in, in, uh, Coach Q's philosophy mm. is is being able to pick guys up and and when they are struggling they do something well. It's similar to to what we heard um, Coach Pulaski like get really frustrated about is the fact that guys weren't banging their sticks when mm. a loose ball would happen or a big hit would happen. Um, and it doesn't just have to come from the coaching staff; it, it needs to come from from the players, from your teammates yeah. too. And that was a risk, obviously. I know the game's out of, out of hand here, but there's a risk. And uh, they they go out, do it. And and that in itself, not only does it give you confidence that, you, you know, Dodds goes out there and scores, but it also gives you a vote of confidence that your coaching staff believes in you and entrusts in you. And that, that win, you want to talk about confidence, man that rush team looked really confident. Like, yeah. I don't know where that swagger came from, but it felt like that whole game, they just, I know it was back and forth for quite some time, but they just felt like they were, we're not losing this game. We're not yeah. losing this game. We're not losing this game. And then they finally took over, went on that run, like you said, uh, outscore them 7-3 in the second half and, and pulled away. That was, a, that was a very tidy, impressive win uh, for the rush. Yeah, I think it was 7-7 at one point um, in the third quarter. And, and yeah, Saskatchewan just was able to find that extra gear. And, unfortunately for the Warriors, uh, just another loss um, that, you know, was a game they probably could have and should have won. The one thing uh, you mentioned, Coach's Call with Brad and Jimmy, 
um, the clip that he put on social media, he's, I can't remember who he said he was reading or listening to uh, a legendary coach in some field said that when your team is struggling, that's when you kind of have to ease up a bit on them and make things fun again. And then when it's when your team is doing really well, that's when you got to be harder on them and continue yeah. to push them. And I, I think that's exactly what we saw from this rush team. It was a team that had been struggling a little bit. Jimmy kind of brought some fun back into the game for them uh, and they were able to win. So a, a big win for the Saskatchewan rush over Vancouver rush are now three and four Vancouver down to two and seven can pretty much kiss any hope of a playoff spot goodbye for the Warriors. But as we've kind of stressed through this podcast um, all year long, it was never going to be an overnight switch of the flip, flip of the switch. I think I had a stroke too. Um, For for Kurt Miloski and the Warriors, it's going to take some time. Um, They've got some bright spots. They've got some holes that they will fill over the next few seasons. But Kurt Miloski is in this for the long haul, and he – he said it when he first came in. He said, like, I want to make this team successful and competitive, not only for the organization, but for lower mainland lacrosse in general. And you can see the frustration from the fans. I get it. But the fans are still coming out. They're putting eight, 9,000 people in Rogers Arena each and every weekend now. And they're playing competitive lacrosse. It's not too often they're getting blown out anymore. They're, they're a much more refined team they just got to kind of clean things up a little bit fill some holes and I think over the next few seasons whether it be through the draft whether it be through free agency this team is only going to get better under Kurt Miloski over the next few seasons that is week 11 in a nutshell time to keep things positive oh yeah gotta stay positive right we gotta give them that Positive vibes only. I could go a a few different ways this week, and I'll touch on another positive vibe a little bit later on when we set up week 12. But I mentioned it off the start about how close the National Lacrosse League is right now. As we start the second half of the season, only two and a half games separate first place and ninth place. Only uh, three and a half games separate first from 14th and four and a half games from first to 15th. So as much as I said, the Vancouver Warriors can pro- will probably have to kind of write off any hope of the playoffs. There is still a chance they go on a magical run, beat a bunch of teams and make it into the postseason. It, it, it's not that crazy to think of when they're basically two games out of a playoff spot. So the fact that we have these unified standings, and we're limiting or we're, yeah, we're limiting the number of blowout games. We're limiting the total one-sided affairs. Everything has gotten to a point where it is that any team can win on any given night. No game is a given. No lead is too safe in the National Lacrosse League. And I think that's everything they wanted out of these unified standings. Bring everybody closer together create an even balanced playing field where you're playing everybody once and let's see where the chips fall. And we're seeing these teams go on wild runs. We're seeing these teams go uh, on crazy winning streaks and, and pull out games that never had a chance to be a win. It has just been phenomenal to watch from week one through week 11. And we got 10 more weeks to do it again. Parody is a beautiful thing. Um, 
especially with the unified standings, man, it could be again. I think for for competitiveness, it, it makes a ton of sense, and it's great. It's awesome. But in a year that if there was no parity, it's like you could almost chalk up like the, the you know the top six teams, and then okay, a couple others will battle for those last two spots. Like I really do think that there, with the exception of a couple of teams right now near the bottom, like everyone is still in the mix for the postseason, and that is just the beauty of the game of lacrosse right now and the NLL. Like it, there's so much parity, it's so great. These games are tight talking to a lot of players that I know sometimes it's cliche, but they believe it. Like they say, like, you know, any given night, any team can, can win. And it's, they're not just saying that they believe it. They know you can't take any team lightly in this league. You can't take a night off anymore. Mm -hmm. There's no such thing as a point night anymore. Every game means something and every game has been tough. And, and I think it's, it's so great for growing this league. Uh, What is your positive vibe this week, Patrick? My positive vibe now, I think obviously Montreal being back first time, you know, for a regular season game since 2002, I think that's, that's a no brainer, but Mm -hmm. again, we talked about it off the top. So I I think that is a little, a little bit of a cop out, but what I will say is I'm going to be a little bit of a cop-out. I'm going to cop-out. <laughs> it is branched off from this topic. The exposure that we saw with Jeff T at the Montreal Canadiens game and on TSN was absolutely awesome. The cross-promotion between the games was phenomenal. And that is something that I would love to see more on TSN, on ESPN having more of that cross promotion. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think not even just on, on air in building, like we're seeing uh, a couple buddies of mine, um, you know, we're in Montreal last weekend and they said during the intermission commercial up for the game was on there. You're walking out of the arena on the TVs. Boom. It's there. Hearing ads on the radio for the game. Like the 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 fact that Montreal is completely bought in for this, and the partners, including TSN and the Canadians, are all on all in on this, it just goes to show that uh, you know this is to me. It's just proof that um, you know more eyeballs on the game means that the game can grow easier. It, it, you just have to get people inside the building and, or watching it on TV and they're going to love it. And I can guarantee you, I don't know. There's no way we can track. We don't have that capability to see if someone was watching at home in Montreal, watching the game and seeing T for an interview or, you know, in that building, watching him, you know, snipe, water off a guy's head or whatever happened uh, during the intermission. But I can guarantee you one or two people in that arena or maybe more, hopefully more went, this looks pretty cool. Can I go on my phone? Boom. Bought tickets. I I really do think so. And, um, and, and if they don't buy tickets that time, well, maybe they'll remember, Hey, that game's on today. Let me go flip it on the TV. Let me go put it on RDS Um, cross promotion, the power that television uh, and, and, because let's let's not like, like digital marketing, social media. That is is the way of the future, no doubt about that. But the accessibility that linear TV 
still has and in-person marketing still mm-hmm. has is so powerful. So that's my positive vibe for the week. I love it. Uh, branching off of that, obviously you mentioned it, RDS will have the call as well. If you're able to get the RDS feed, uh, Alain Usaro and Joe Cambria will be doing the game. Um, I know they've kind of, I don't know how much, maybe you know, in talking with them, how much um, broadcasting of lacrosse they've done or seen. Um, but, you know, the, we've kind of sent them some lingo and, and a little cheat sheet for some uh, hot words to use during the broadcast. But the fact that it will be on RDS as well as TSN is massive. Uh, I was out bowling the other night, and I love the fact that the Warriors, when they don't have a linear TSN game, are still doing the Warriors and 30 on Sportsnet. So lacrosse is continually getting out there, and I absolutely love it. It is so good for the growth of the game to just have more eyes being able to casually stream and stumble upon the national lacrosse league. Um, Speaking of bowling, um, is there any more humbling sport? No, absolutely not. Like I love getting out, drinking some beers with the boys. A couple of my buddies are in in a league. Here in Victoria, so they often need a sub, so I so I kind of sub in for them. I always think that I'm it's it's easy. It's just throwing a 14 pound ball down a 40 yard lane and hitting some pins. No. And I, I throw a shoulder out. I, I pull a, a muscle in my forearm. <laughs> uh, my knee feels like it's buckling every time I slide. But then you look across the alley and you see like a 70 year old guy throwing a 12 pin ball and just like blasting pins or you see you see women and, and younger kids just throwing a ball as slowly as they can and getting strikes or like in golf everyone has their own swing everyone in bowling has their own like bowling mechanic yep. just like why why can't i figure this out it 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 humbles me more than anything i've ever done i love doing it but it just makes me so frustrated yeah, yeah, it's it is uh, the humbling is the perfect way to to say it, and it just goes to show you that hard work and and dedication and practice practice really does make perfect. Because if you think you're just going to show up to the alley and throw a gem of a game, you are <laughs> absolutely um, really mistaken. Um, I only bowl maybe once or twice a year, um, but yeah, you you see the old lady go by and just low and steady but a beautiful curve on it and boom oh it's a strike meanwhile i'm ripping the ball as hard as i can down throwing gutter balls and stuff yeah it's a it's a tough scene bruce cod is no stranger to the city of montreal he was there in the very first season he had what 36 assists in his first year as a member of the montreal express he will be back there this weekend as the Riptide and Rock play game one of the NLL Unbox series. And he joins us this week on the Off the Crossbar podcast. Joining us now is a man who still, for some reason, believes that butter tarts are better than Nanaimo bars. Bruce Codd of the Toronto Rock. How are you, pal? I'm doing well, Teddy. How about yourself? Uh, I cannot complain. A little windy, a little cold out here on the island, but I do get to golf today, so life's pretty good. How's things out there in Ontario? Yeah, pretty good. Uh, we've had a pretty mild winter, so I'm not golfing or anything like that, but uh, I'm not shoveling snow either, so yeah, I'm not true. complaining on that side of things. Um, it's a little different than playing in the Molson Centre from 20 years ago, but how cool of an experience is this unboxed 
series going to be for you to go back to La Belle Province? Oh, it's 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 been uh, it's already been pretty uh, pretty cool. Just the experience, the build up to it, right? Getting to kind of relive a lot of the great memories that we have there. But yeah, certainly very excited uh, about going back there, and um, I think it's pretty cool that uh, now I'm on the other side of it, on the bench side of things. But uh, no, nothing but great memories from from my time there. So looking forward to another unique experience in Montreal. Are you a little jealous that Jeff Teets already been given the royal treatment by the Habs and been? You know, been flirting around as a celebrity in town, and not no, you? not at all. I mean, I think uh, uh, you know. Truth be told, Jeff Teat deserves every all the attention that he gets and all the accolades. And uh, you know, he's a pretty unassuming guy, so uh, I'm sure he's probably just taking it in stride like he always does. But in terms of jealousy, no, I think it, it only makes sense. <laughs> um, tell us about the Via Rail trips while you're playing for Montreal. I hear the bar cart used to take a beating. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it probably uh, shows kind of, you know, the era that that, that we were in uh, uh, in terms of that. But uh, it was certainly unique. You know, you normally a bus or whatever. And, uh, you know, it's a little bit, uh, you know, probably a little bit harder to do, not as much access to it. But, yeah, there's a couple uh, a couple uh, uh, train rides. By the time we got there, some guys were probably uh, a little banged up more than they probably should have the day or two before a game. But uh, one in particular, I remember the lady left the cart there and uh, – it was wide open is all access and guys are going bananas. And then somebody had the realization, well, you know, they're probably going to count this here, you know? And uh, <laughs> so then we all had to like pull some money together, like just showed the intelligence of the group, but it also showed <laughs> how much fun we like to have as a group too. Um, you know, the express didn't have a long shelf life, but how was the NLO received in that area for its first rendition? I thought like uh, it's it's too bad because I think you know had it been a different ownership group that had, didn't have three time teams at the time in the football I think it would have stuck around and been very successful. Um, you know all I remember is you know we'd have probably anywhere from eight to twelve thousand people at some of the games. Mm-hmm. Um, you know how many of those were paid I don't know about that but when they were there they were you know they were uh, enthusiastic and it's one of the things that I will always remember about the time there like the old ole ole uh, chant a few yeah. times after big wins was a, was electric and you know guys were singing that you know till late in the at night because it just stuck with you you know what i mean and but the energy in there was unbelievable and the other thing that i remember too was our numbers on rds were were really well like really high i should say um so i think it was well received and i think it would be a uh you know a great market it's crazy to think that in that first year you know, sure, you beat up on a very young, inexperienced Calgary team for your first two games, but you guys dropped 73 goals in your first three games, jumping out to a red-hot 3 nothing start. Where did it all go wrong for the Express? Well, I mean, there was a couple things. Like, uh, you know, Joey Hiltz, uh, uh, you know, was pretty good for us. You know, he was kind of like a, a Dane Doby kind of, you know, he was so good off mm-hmm. the bench and had those, you know, magic hands. He got hurt, like, Torres ACL, I believe, and, and he went out. And then... I know there was a stretch where Tracy Kluski, you know, had a broken hand. You know, he was probably still playing, knowing him. Um, yeah. But you know, obviously, probably not at the same level that that he was up up to that, right? And so those are some things that hurt. And uh, you know, I think we, you know, we just had a little bad stretch there, and it just kind of it cost us. And I think you know, some of those injuries were a part of it. And I think you know, our schedule did get tougher as we went. You know, we lost a couple tight games that if we we win, and I mean, we're almost in the playoffs. We you know, mm-hmm. basically last game of the year, we had a chance to you know, punch our ticket. And we ended up playing Albany who was 14 and two, you know, for the last few games of the year and, and didn't win either of those. So I would say some injuries and, 
you know, maybe just some, probably some inexperience on our end too. Is it still the best logo in the NLL? I, I would be, you know, I'm going to say it's the Toronto Rock is, but, um, <laughs> you know, uh, Montreal was definitely, you know, a, a great, great logo and fantastic jersey. I mean, uh, someone asked me that, you know, the other day, and I was like, yeah, that's that's one that was like really, really well done, you know, just from the color scheme uh, and the logo. And, you know, obviously the Express, you know, being the Montreal or Molson Export uh, sponsorship uh, was a pretty cool uh, play on words, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'd go to the Ottawa Rebel for a season in 2003, then you spent four years in the desert with the Sting. Who gave you the nickname the Desert Rat? Well, uh, um, you know, it, it was funny. I remember when we were in Arizona, uh, we were driving to practice or whatever, and I think I just finished, like, you know, throwing somebody's gear, emptying somebody's gear or something stupid like that, you know, kind of <laughs> pranking somebody. And then we went by this, like, gas station, and it was called the – it had a service station or whatever, like the – it was this, the Desert Rat. And right away, Scott Self, like, just jumped all over, and he's like, that's right there, that's you. Yeah. And it just, like, kind of caught fire for a couple years there, and – Still gets thrown out from time to time. I can see Self for getting all giddy with that big smile on his face. Saying, yeah, uh, that, he that's was, you. That's going to be your name from now on. He was a, he was on the wrong end of a, a lot of those. Like, you know, early in the morning, you guys trying to scramble. He was a notorious, like, always sleeping in. And we roomed yeah. together a few times. And, you know, he'd be trying to pack his stuff in the morning. And he'd just get it packed. And then I'd just dump it out, you know. <laughs> it was just such a train wreck. Uh, we had so much fun, though. But he uh, – he, he was, uh, you know, an easy target, I guess you'd say. Uh, let's focus on your Toronto Rock. Uh, you guys are one of the hottest teams in the National Lacrosse League right now. Uh, six and two, obviously a loss to Calgary kind of slowed the rails a bit. But how would you grade your team through the first six games? Well, I think, you know, we've been pretty solid. I mean, uh, obviously, you know, there was a lot of, uh, and I'm sure it's been talk, doc, or talked about a lot, um, you know, bad taste in our mouth from our, our, the way that we exited last year. And, you know, I think we did a, you know, pretty uh, hard look in the mirror on, on all aspects of our game. And I think, you know, we've tried to change our style a little bit, you know, offensive defense and brought some different guys in. And I think we've been, you know, from my standpoint, been really, really solid for the most part. Um, you know, the guys have been very receptive to trying new things and, and doing some things, you know, extra. So, you know, and I think it's shown in our record to, to start. Um, is there room for improvement? hundred percent. You know, obviously, you know, we kind of, you know, uh, made, didn't make it very, uh, easy on ourselves last week. Um, so we're still in the growth, but I think for the most part, it's, it's been a pretty solid start. There was obviously a lot of hype when Tom Schreiber returned to the offense, but from a defensive standpoint, how huge is it for you guys to get Chris Corbeil back? Oh, it's great. I mean, like, you know, just his experience and, and, and his compete level, like that's a guy that's done everything. So, um, you know, I was saying to him, even last year when he was around, like, hey, don't be afraid to jump in here. And I, I get what, he, you know, it was tough for him to speak up sometimes when you're not in the lineup and things like that. So to have that voice there and, you know, having him competing, uh, he's a great role model, you know, on and off the floor. There's not a guy that probably works harder away from it. So getting him back is massive, gives us another, you know, solid, big, um, you know, athletic guy back there. And And I said, just, you know, just the experience and the way that guys can, you know, lean on him to, you know, kind of guide them through. So it's been a, it'll be a nice plus having him back. It's unfortunate that it's kind of, you know, one guy back, one guy out. Tyler Hendricks uh, is done for the foreseeable future. And that loss is a significant one because I thought he'd been starting to play really well. But as it's been so often with you guys, there's barely a drop off uh, when someone does get hurt and you have to slide somebody into the lineup. But what can you say about his play 
uh, leading up to the injury and the play of Justin Martin in the first half of the season? Oh, it's been, it's been great. I mean, like Tyler, we, you know, we drafted what two years ago last year, he had kind of a foot injury for the most part and never really got a chance. You know, you, you miss camp and you, um, you know, you're kind of, you know, just hanging around watching. It's, it's tough to really grow unless you're getting put into situations. And I think this year, you know, we kind of ripped the bandaid off and said, here, go, go play. And, you know, mm-hmm. there's some times that, you know, maybe you're like, well, what's he doing or whatever. That's, that's how you learn. You got to learn on the job. And he's done a great job of like, he's just so big and so athletic and he's starting to figure that out. I think like, you know, just how athletic he is and stuff. So putting himself in situations where he can, you know, use that to his advantage and things like that. Right. And he's kind of flip flop back and forth between the O and the D door too, mm-hmm. which is challenging, but it also, I think it's a positive in a lot of ways too. You can, okay, what do we want to do on offense? Well, how do I flip that around and do it on defense and vice versa? So um, he's been a nice, nice surprise. I think he's, you know, kind of, uh, you know, uh, been learning on the job and, and taking it, to, uh, you know, to heart. And then Justin Martin, um, you know, he's been great in terms of like his anticipation, uh, not only on, in transition, but on loose balls and when to slide and stuff like that's like, it's really uncanny. And I like, that's the thing that I've noticed about him is he just has such a great feel for the game. And I don't know how to say it any other way than that. Yeah. So, um, you know, he's been a, he's been a nice, nice addition and, and a guy that's, you know, uh, you know, liked in the room and uh, brings a kind of a, a funny, uh, you know, uh, demeanor to, to the game as well. So it's been it's been good. Does he get a lot of fines for being a 27, 28 year old rookie? <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, uh, he, he he wouldn't say too much to get himself into trouble. <laughs> um, how do Brad Cree and Mitch Disnew keep getting better each season? Uh, I mean, it's uh, I think both are competitors. You know, like Mitch, sometimes I like. Uh, I swear he probably doesn't like, you know, me on a lot of times because I'm on him all the time. But, um, you know, he, he's on me, too, though, like in, in terms of like a good way. Like he, 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 you know, he's just such a competitor. His intensity level is is through the roof. Um, you know, even at practice, I'm like sometimes I'm like it's the first shot the goalies have seen. You don't have to try and, you know, put everything you have on it. You know what I mean? But he just doesn't have an off button. Like he is like you know, he's a go, go, go all the time. And. Um, you know, and that's, I think that's part of the reason why he, you know, he keeps growing and, uh, and then Brad, I think, you know, this year has just started to really maybe even feel more comfortable in a, in a leadership role. And I, you know, I think maybe, um, you know, we were probably taken for granted that some of that stuff, right. But, you know, kind of challenged him in the, in the off season and things like that to come and be more vocal. And, and I think he's taken that and ran with it. I think he's played probably his best lacrosse, you know, uh, you know, this year, I think he's been maybe not as uh, flashy in terms of takeaways and stuff like that, but his physical presence and things like that has been so improved. And I think it's, uh, you know, kind of backs some people off in a different way. Speaking of flashy, um, I got a chance to peek into your guys' locker room at the track during the draft. Uh, First of all, very nice setup at the track. That's one of the first times I got to really explore it. Um, But who has more shoes above their stall, Rosie, Cree, or Luttrell? I got to think it's, it's Luttrell. Um, you know, we were talking about this the other day. He's like, you know, sometimes I got to, you know, take a look and slow things down here. I bought, you know, five pairs of shoes in three days or whatever. Right. Like, uh, um, you know, so I, I, I would think it's, uh, treasy just by the, what's in the room, but you know, the thing about Rosie is you just never know. Like he's like, he's got, I bet you his hat collection has got to be about 4,000 deep yep. and you know, the cards and everything. I think he's just the kind of more of a silent assassin in a lot of ways. <laughs> um, speaking of Latrell, do we have an update? Well, I mean, obviously, you know, we don't plan on having him back this year, but, yeah. um, you know, an update in terms of like, you know, he doesn't miss anything. 
he's in the gym every day. Like he looks like he could play. I mean, I, I know yeah. he's, you know, he can't, but you know, the, the stuff that he's doing, you know, strength and conditioning wise, I, I think he's ahead of most, like he's, uh, He's definitely doing everything he needs to do to come back, and I think he's going to come back probably better. I know the last time when the shoulder uh, rehab, I thought he came back bigger and stronger, and and you know, so um, is it ideal for us? Absolutely not, but uh, maybe it will be. You know yeah. what I mean? Down the road, I I, yeah. I do think that uh, you know he's just so dedicated, and um, you know he works so hard at it. You kind of talked about it with Corbeil being around and Latrell being around. I've, I've noticed sometimes with younger athletes, just from coaching, you know, when they get a season ending injury, they don't stay around the team. They go off and do other things and they enjoy their summer because they're not playing. It really shows the dedication to these guys to still be around each and every day. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, uh, I know, uh, you know, when I went through an injury once, it didn't happen often, but I remember like, you know, being kind of down in the dumps and the disappointment because we were playing in Arizona, I couldn't be there. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Cause it, uh, you know, but there's also, like you say, some guys that are like, they don't want to be around and depressing, but I, I think, you know, uh, the good ones, you know, they want to be there and they want to, you know, continue to be around the boys and, and, uh, you know, continue to learn too. Right. I think, uh, uh, both the guys that you mentioned, there are two prime examples of that. They just, they just love being, you know, immersed in the team culture and stuff like that. And I think, you know, that's the kind of people we want around. We've kind of highlighted a few guys on your back end, but who's someone that doesn't get as much recognition as they should? Well, I mean, uh, for me, like this year, uh, uh, a guy that stands out who's really, really taking his game to the next level is Phil Mazuka. Um, you know, he just plays with such energy too. He's great on our ball team. Um, you know, he's really, um, you know, made some great strides on the defensive side of things too. Like he's got good feet. He's often covering a lot of our, you know, the other team's best players, right? Whether it be Lyle Thompson you know, or Dane Smith, these guys that are on that side of the floor, you know, usually Phil's kind of over there and I think he's done a good job. I know the Buffalo game, they got, he got beat one, but he got, he got smoked just before that. But yeah. Phil's a guy that I think has really become quite valuable for us in, in a lot of ways. And and then another guy that, you know, you just can't, uh, I can't speak highly enough about is, is Bill Hostrosser, you know, like, uh, you know, he's just, uh, he's just such a great guy in the room. He's so funny. He's like kind of that, you know, uh, I grew up on a farm and so I know what, you know, that kind of, and that's what Billy is, right? Like, yeah. you know, he kind of talks a little different and, but you know, he also has that farmer's mentality where he just comes and works and, you know, he'll do anything. And, you know, I think Billy's really had a great year for us too, like uh, in so many, you know, quiet areas. So those will be two guys that stand out, but I could probably, you know, say something good about everybody so far. Well, I'll let yeah. you say something good about Challen. Um, as he continues to be pulled in many directions, and and as he should because of how good he is everywhere on the floor. But how nice is it is it to kind of have him back out the back door and getting a little more out of him out the back door? Yeah, I mean, like it's uh, like uh, wherever we put him, I I know he would be successful. Like I, if I said to him, you know, you're in net tonight, I bet you he'd probably do a good job there. Uh, you know, <laughs> not that I'm gonna you know do do go that route, but. Um, yeah, it's nice. He's another big body. Like I think more and more you're seeing too with the way, you know, the game's being called in terms of, you know, the, the, the pitch and, and things like that. You got to have some big bodies back there and challenge certainly obviously does that. I mean, he, he hasn't killed it in transit, but he's also playing like 40 minutes a night. It's yeah. tough to get up and down. And then he's on the power play and then he's in the short man, the ball team, like he, he does everything. Um, but he, you know, again, just, I think his, just his presence every, just so sound and everything. And, uh, the one the other thing with Chow, too, is I think he's become a lot more vocal and a lot more comfortable in his leadership role, too, which is, 
Um, you know, it takes time sometimes, right? Like he was captain really, really young. And mm. I think he's starting to find his voice and, you know, he's always led by example, but I think he's starting to take a, you know, a little bit more of a, a vocal role as well. If he had to pick MVP, Chown or Rosie? Oof. Well, I think it'd be hard to go against Rosie right now. I think uh, Rosie's had a heck of a year as well. I mean, um, you know, I, I would have thought, you know, I mean, no, this, discredit to Christian. I thought Rosie was the best goal in the league last year in a, in a lot of ways too. Um, but you know, he's certainly, you know, he's, he's taken that and ran with it this year. He's uh, so I, I don't like picking uh, between the two, but I think Rosie has probably, you know, if I was just being honest, has, has just played that well. Yeah. It's obvious, you know, we, we look at goaltenders and, you know, by the time they get to their late twenties, they're starting to really get into form by the time they're in their early thirties, they're, they're kind of peaking. Rosie just continually gets better and better and as he gets older. What is it about, you know, his preparation um, and how he plays and how he's matured that has allowed him to to continue to be one of the best every year? Well, I think, you know, like uh, it comes maturity a little bit too. And, you know, I know Rosie's like, uh, you know, obviously benefits, I think, from B. Miller being around and, Mm -hmm. you know, having that sounding board and B. will throw some stuff at him every now and again. So I think, that has helped again, you know, like B was here before and then left to, you know, for a year or two and then, uh, you know, his back. So I think that helps, but I think also too, like, you know, I know he, uh, you know, used to always want to be the music guy and things like, that. I think he simplified some of that stuff and, you know, passed the music off to Phil Mazuka and some, some of those things that maybe has allowed him to, you know, kind of maybe just focus a little bit more. And I think he's, he, he's done that. And I think those are the things that have probably helped him a little bit too. Um, but uh, I, I don't know how to explain it. You know what I mean? Like he's a big man and, you know, he still moves so well. Like, you know, usually that's uh, one of the things that kind of happens as you get older. You don't know, it's flexible. I, yeah. I think he's probably more flexible than he was before. <laughs> I don't know. Like, it, it's incredible. Like the way, like I said, the way he moves and can get up and stuff like that sometimes. I'm like, it just doesn't, it, it just doesn't make sense to me. Does he always have the green light to shoot at the empty net? Um, we don't have to often talk about that one, but uh <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, I, I guess if it's, we're up by, you know, five or six and even then I don't really like yeah. it. So, um, yeah, that one's been a, a bone of contention a few times <laughs> over the years. <laughs> um, you are going up against one of the hottest teams in the NLL right now. Uh, the New York Riptide have won four straight. Um, obviously you've known of and seen and been around Jeff Teat for many, 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 many years. Yep. What what is it about him as he you know we talk about maturation um, that he just continually mystifies and, and and makes your jaw drop? Well, it's like you know for me like uh, there's a color I get to see him every day. He is there in the gym at the hill every single morning working out. It doesn't matter if he's flying out the next day and there's a PD day. He drives up, he's there, he gets a workout in. So first and foremost is just his like. Uh, commitment to to getting better on that side of things but he's also you know he'll be down at the field hey when's the field open I want to go shoot and you know what I mean he's just constantly working and I think you know the other thing about him he's been at the arena since you know like he's been in diapers and just mm-hmm. being around like the access like you see it now in the NHL like how many guys uh kids you know NHLers have kids that are you know now in the NHL and things I think that you know that access to the the high-end lacrosse guys and and being around the, the culture of it and it, it just helps, but you know, you might not even know it, but it's just sink in India. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think Jeff's had that benefit as well, but I think, you know, first and foremost is his, just his demeanor and his like, um, you know, 
uh, he just flies under the radar in a lot of ways until you you see okay he had four and five or whatever you know what I mean yeah, like yeah. yeah he he doesn't always do it like uh, conventional but he's just so smart and and he just works hard so uh, I still enjoy you know just seeing it from a you know obviously not this weekend I don't want him to have a good weekend but yeah. I do enjoy watching him come and work out every day and do all the little things like he's he's a definition of a professional. Do the kids around the school realize you know who he is? I, I think, you know, the lacrosse guys certainly do. The hockey guys, yeah. maybe not. And then, but then they get to know him because he's in the gym. Like, you know, he does some stuff there as well. Like uh, the workouts and stuff like that. And one thing I do know is like uh, everybody, you know, like the kids that, you know, he's, 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 they all like him. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and it's because of that same thing. Like he's, he's just so calm and, but he's, you know, friendly and respectful and he just does it, does everything right. Like he's like, you know, like, uh, um, you know, he's just so well respected by the kids and, to me, that speaks volumes of, of the person he is. Every year teams say that they're, you know, they're different from last year's team and that this is the year they get over the hump. What's the one big factor for this Toronto Rock group that leads you to believe that things will be different and you will get over that hump? Well, I think so far we've been we've shown the willingness to to do to do the hard things, right? And whether that's been, you know, uh extra uh runs at practice or you know, more times uh meeting with going over we so far we've we've for me we've, we've we've put that extra work in and and you know i'm not to say that we have it in the past I, but i think we maybe thought we were whereas now i think we we understand the difference so um you know kind of just being ready to do the hard things i think you know what i mean and uh yeah, i think that was part of the thing we saw last year it got you know kind of one or two goals turned into five in a hurry and and it was like okay well you know that's it's not our night whereas now i think you know we're getting in the habit of okay it might not be our five minutes here but what can we do to respond to that? So I think it's just the, I guess the, you know, the mental toughness and the willingness to, to go to the hard places. Uh, well, I don't think you guys will be on a train to Laval this weekend. So the bar carts are safe, but I'm sure the poutineries will be absolutely devoured. Uh, Bruce, this is always a pleasure, my man. Uh, enjoy the return to Montreal and to Laval. It should be an unbelievable experience. Uh, appreciate the time and go Hills girls lacrosse, right? How are the girls doing? Uh, well, we got a attorney. I get back on, um, uh, on, on uh, Saturday and I jump on the bus to go with the girls to a, to attorney down in Philadelphia. So nice. first box across here we have. So, um, I've enjoyed the girls too. It's been, it's been fun. Uh, you know, different, different, uh, perspectives and things like that. It's, uh, so they're, they're having a good year. I think like uh, in the fall, this will be kind of the start of the spring season for them. So it'll be good. I appreciate it, my man. Uh, safe travels and we'll catch up soon, Bell. Sounds good. Thanks, Teddy. All right, there's the desert rat coined by Scott Self. And I love listening to Bruce talk. He's always open and he's always forthright with, with what he's saying. This rock team still has a lot to give. And, you know, they, they've they been, again, kind of bit by the injury bug. They get Shrives back. Now Corbeil's back. They won't have Latrell. Hendricks is out for a little bit. But guys like Mazuka and... Um, Justin Martin is stepping up and Josh Jubinville's had a great season. It's just unbelievable. This team can continually just pop and place guys in the lineup and still have success. And I still don't think we've seen them at their best yet. No. And to be quite honest, they'll tell you that. And they're quite, they, they are honest about it talking to Tom Schreiber this week, like he said it, we took it, but we're taking this on the chin. This last loss was on us. 
the offense went dry. Like this is not on Nick Rose. It's not on the defense. They did their part. Um, in the last two of the last three games, just we haven't even been good enough. And even the game that we did win, he said, like the offense, you know, we didn't win that game. It was, it was on the backs of Rosie and our defense. We need to be better. We have to be better. Um, you know, Nick Rose said that I think felt like the fact that, you know, they, they were, you know, not really playing that well and still figuring out ways to win. Like, he felt like it, it's it's a good thing because they still have time to figure out where some other teams they haven't played well and haven't found ways to win and now they're in trouble and you know coach Sora kind of takes a similar approach but actually says that he felt like in years past when they've won consecutive games in a row it's come too easy for them and he kind of thinks that the fact that they are six and two. They haven't played their best lacrosse. They're grinding out wins. It is a good thing because they're finding ways to win. Whereas before they're blowing teams out and playing really well. And then when things went south later on in the season, or maybe in the postseason, the guys don't know how to react. Well, yeah. now they've started to play again. They're not playing their best, but they're finding ways to win. Once they hit their stride, things will come a lot easier for them. Chris Corbeil, I think, will be a future head coach or defensive coach in the National Cross League. And, and just getting him back and the calm demeanor that he brings and the savviness, I think, is really going to help that back end because he doesn't have to be the number one guy. He, like He will be one of their top defensive threats, but he can still allow Cree and Challen and Mitch to, to do their thing. And he'll just go out and, and just be an extra voice on the floor and, and be steady, consistent as ever. I, I don't think it can go unsaid that getting him healthy and in the lineup is going to be a massive boost for that defense. And it will be put to the test this weekend as we get into week 12 in the National Lacrosse League. Before we can get to Laval, we got to go all the way out to Halifax, the Bandits and Thunderbirds. This is going to be a phenomenal lacrosse game. And for Halifax, we talked about it. they got to start stringing some wins together, but it's not going to come easy against a Buffalo team that has had their own struggles this season. They're sitting at 5-3 and tied with Halifax. So this is a massive game between these two clubs. Whenever these two teams play, it's always a great game. And Halifax has done a really nice job playing well against this team. But they haven't recently found a way to get over the hump and beat this team. Um, that's something that they want to change. That's something that they feel like they can change. They can make it. Um, but they know that if they don't play 60 minutes, I know it's so cliche, but if they don't play a full 60 against Buffalo, they'll find a way to win. They're a team that, you know, talking about Toronto, um, looking at the record, they're way better than what the record shows, but they're a team that hasn't played consistently. And they're a team that actually in games that they haven't played really well, they've actually caught those outs. Um, it's only a matter of time until Buffalo catches fire. Halifax just wants to avoid them being that spark plug that ignites them uh, to going on a hot run. I think if, the Buffalo Bandits can figure out a way to limit the runs because we've seen that, which is very uncharacteristic of them, of, of allowing teams to go on. I, I think back to that Georgia game, I think to the New York game, 
where uncharacteristically they allowed teams to come back, take a lead and, and not get it back. If they can limit that, obviously it's a huge thing, but I think they, they're just going to need to really ride the momentum of Dane and Josh and Kluche and Dehoga and, and Bucky. Like this is one of the most complete offenses in the league. They're going to have to start carrying this team a little bit, despite having Matt Vince and Ned, who's the greatest of all time at his position they're going to have to find ways to make their offense win them games. It's, I know, I, I know the fact that the matter is that the defense and Matt Vince and that goal, goaltending like down the stretch. Yes. Like that championship game, that clinching game, they were phenomenal. But like, when you think of the Buffalo bandits, you think of that offense, you think of how dynamic they are and just far too many times this year. And again, third team, they'll go on runs. That's who they are, but they're, it just can't, it cannot be just such a dry spell of, of no offense. And I think, yes, the defense is banged up and yes, the defense hasn't been where you expect the Buffalo Bandits defense needs to be. But I think just at some points in the game, there's just too much pressure on them because the offense goes so dry. So it's kind of a vicious circle. Well, the defense doesn't play, you know, so the offense doesn't play well. Defense has to overextend more pressure on Vince and, and then the levy kind of breaks. So I don't know, to me, this team's too good, too talented. They now have that championship pedigree. I think it's only a matter of time until they figure things out and they get back on the horse. I I just don't know if it's going to be against this really good Halifax team uh, on Saturday or sorry, on Friday night. NLL game of the week on TSN is a double header. The first one, obviously Toronto at New York in Laval, they were posting some social media videos of them laying the turf down. And anyone that's seen an NLL turf be laid down, it's, you know, a dozen giant rolls of turf and they roll it out and it's got the bumps and it's got the lips and it's got the signage and it's got the gaps. It's not perfect. In Laval, and I don't know where they got these, but they're using like turf panels and they're putting it like a jigsaw puzzle together. Is this the new meta for the future of the NLL turf? It might be. This is the that is the same turf that is the new turf up in Peterborough for the Lakers. That's what oh, they okay. same same I don't know if it's the same company but same concept. Uh, it's a little more of a grassier turf than Yeah, that's true. I don't think it's the grass turf that you'll see like, you know, in an indoor facility, but I, it does look like it is a little more grassy than you would have just a straight carpet. Um, maybe it is, uh, you know, I don't know what the cost is. I don't know what the maintenance is, but you know, those turf, you said, you said it like the carpet is, you know, if not properly maintained, um, it could get squirrely out there. Yeah. And at the end of the day, player safety should be top of mind. If this is going to be safer for the players, why not? Why not? And if you do have to invest a little bit more, who cares? It, yeah. Your big investment is the product, is the players. So I don't, I don't know why you, you, know, you wouldn't want to do that. I don't know the difference in you know maintenance time to put it down and put it together. I'm not sure how much more storage it would take up than you know a, a dozen 10 foot rolls of 50 60 foot turf but i think to avoid 
you know, the, the ruts and the bumps and, and the rolled ankles and the bad knees and, and the ball getting lost underneath the turf. So we have to have the sort of mid zone face offs. It wouldn't be a bad idea if teams actually looked into this and, and kind of thought about this as being the next wave of how we roll on our turf, but more specifically to the game, Jeff T versus Tom Schreiber, um, Nick Rose versus Cam Dunkerley, two Orangeville guys going toe-to-toe. This game, we talked a little bit at the start, but it, it really has the makings of being a, a, an unbelievable marquee matchup. Can't wait. And when I look at this matchup, I just, for me, I'm picturing it's that high-powered New York offense led by Jeff Teat going up against Nick Rose and just that potent defense. It's going to be a chess match. We've seen at times in Jeff Teat's career be, you know, held – to, to low numbers against Toronto. Uh, I lo- think back to his first game last season against Toronto, I believe. I have it in my notes somewhere. Two, ass- two assists. But since then, um, the game after that, he had 12 points. <laughs> this year in their first meeting, he had six points. He has the ability to take over games, and we know that. But the thing that he was most pissed off about was just – when they played Toronto at the start of the year, and he's, he, he was reluctant. So I don't want to say we're a different team, but we have learned a lot since then. And we felt like, you know, we didn't give Toronto our all, and we didn't give Toronto our best. I, we think that we can give them their all and their best. And on the flip side, Toronto is is waiting for their best. They want to start playing their best. So it's only a matter of time until Toronto's offense wakes up. Do, do, you know, do they play a full 60 here against, uh, you know, a surging um, New York team? I don't know. I, I think this is going to be an awesome game, man. I, I really am looking forward to it. And it's not just because I'm calling. I, I This would this is must-see TV for yeah. everyone here. I, I, I go back to that game in Hamilton, and I just I, – it's just vivid. Every time Teeter took a shot and Rosie stopped him, or he hit the pipe or he missed just the frustration that he had and, yeah. and how upset he was. Like you could literally verbally hear him yeah. audibly hear him because the mics were picking up his frustration and sure. He still dropped six points in that game and was unbelievable, but you could see the emotions and how much he cared and how much he wanted that win and how much he wants to get his team to the next level. And you can see with every goal he scores, now, how pumped up he is and when his teammates score, like this kid wants it so bad. And it, I think, you know, this may be other than, you know, like playing in Buffalo in front of 15,000 people. This may be the biggest stage sort of that he's been on um, for an NLL game because like we kind of tease the Habs are involved. Is this a maybe a, a destination for the Riptide in the future or some other national lacrosse league team in the future. I think we're going to maybe see some of the best we've seen from Jeff T. You know, he's being courted around town like a celebrity and, you know, he's on the Habs broadcast. He's on Habs radio. He's on the ice at a Habs game. Like this is celebrity American idol treatment that he's getting right now in Montreal. And I, I think we see the best, from Jeff T and it'll be very interesting to see him go up against that very, very scary Toronto defense. 
The final game on Friday, Philadelphia at Vegas. One team is at two and six. The other team is three and five. Sorry, both teams, five losses. Two and five for Philadelphia and three and five for Vegas. I don't think anybody ever saw Philadelphia being two and five after their first seven. Something is not right with that team. I don't know what it is. They're, they're minus 14 goal differential, so it's it's not terrible. It's not great. But they're 0-4 at home and 2-1 and on the road. Uh, this is very unlike this Philadelphia Wings team that you know a lot of people had as a playoff, maybe even a championship contender. They had Mitch Jones in the MVP uh, race. Both of us did. Um, I, I don't know what to say about this Wings team because it just boggles my mind. They've by far had the toughest schedule as well. True. You go to Laxmag, one of their posts talk about how they have not played a single team at that time under 500. They have had a very tough schedule. They've had a weird schedule where, you know, multiple bye weeks off that, that canceled game against Saskatchewan didn't help their case as well. They've been bit by the injury bug. This team is way better than what the record says, but unfortunately you are what your record is in the National Lacrosse League. Uh, and for them, they need to turn things around quickly because a team like Vegas, they picked up a couple of wins against some really good teams. The teams that are in front of them aren't showing any signs of slowing down. They got to pick up wins here, and they cannot allow, despite Vegas beating good teams, mm-hmm. that's something on their schedule they've had circled in as a scheduled win, and that's a win that they're going to desperately need to have you mentioned that their tough schedule to start the season the rest of the way they only play three teams with a 500 or better record panther city buffalo and georgia Wow! so this yeah the first half of the season has been hell but if they can much like georgia did last year put that really shitty start in the past focus on what's next in each game at that moment they can definitely go on a bit of a run and they have the character and the skill to do it in that wings locker room. So that, that is a, I think this is a a must win for the Philadelphia wings. If they're going to turn this thing around and go on a win. So those are your three Friday games, Saturday, Colorado at Albany. We talked about the disparity in that Colorado offense and, and that whole team, but Albany is a team that we continually said for the first few weeks, wait till teams get some film on these young guys let them kind of figure it out defensively, and they'll probably come back down to earth. They're 6-2. and two. They're at the top of the National Cross League. I, I don't think it's going to matter how much film you have. Glenn Clark, the professor, is going to find a way to scheme up a positive game plan. But much like Philadelphia, if this Albany team is going to be a contender, this is a game that they have to win. they got to, got to, got to start getting some forward momentum with this group. they got to get Simmons going again. they got to get Kurtz finding the back of the net again. I think Ethan Walker has been one of the best additions in the offseason by any team for the impact that he's had. And Marshall Palace has been great. He's kind of dipped off a little bit. But for Albany, you got to get Dougie between the pipes. He's healthy again, and you got to start winning games. So I think you have to say, and, and maybe I'm answering my own question, but I'll ask it anyways. Please. I think this game means more, like a win does more for Colorado, but I think you could argue that a loss could hurt the psyche of Albany just as much. 
Like for a young team that started out so hot, was on fire. If they now lose three and zero, does like the doubt start creeping in into those young minds? What do you? What, yeah, I felt like I'm crazy thinking that, but I almost would say a loss could hurt Albany even more. Yeah, no, I agree. I think you're that seed of doubt has been planted if you're if you lose three in a row now and you start to to grip your stick a little tighter you start to maybe not make that extra pass or you make too many passes and you start to second guess yourself and i think the fact that they are so young and they don't have a lot of veteran leaders out the front they got a lot of great guys in the back but out front and again, that's kind of why I think Ethan Walker is such a great addition to this group because he does have some, you know, summer ball championship experience and playing at Denver and the places that he's been already in the National Lacrosse League. I think he needs to be that calming presence. But you're right. If they do drop another game here, then they they will start to kind of be looking over their shoulder a bit at, at the teams that are trying to track them down. So um, a must win for, I think, both teams – more, more importantly for Colorado for their playoff hopes, but just as equally important for the confidence of this young Albany group um, that needs a win in front of that home crowd to continually build that forward momentum into the back half of the season. The final game of the weekend, Halifax is not very good when they play twice in one weekend. Uh, our boy Adam Levy with another fine nugget. Uh, I think he said the four times that they have played twice in one weekend, they've gone 0 for 2 both times, or all four times. They've lost both games in those weekends. This is going to be a tough trip. It's lucky that they get the day off uh, between Friday and Sunday games, but they got to go from Halifax all the way to Calgary. Hopefully they're on that direct flight if there is one. But this is a Calgary team that's going to be sitting there rested, waiting, hungry uh, to get another victory off that big weekend in Toronto. I'm very curious, and I, I wish I, you know, had an opportunity to talk to some of the the T Birds. To, you know, do you on the doubleheader, and maybe maybe not even a lot of guys have even experienced this, but like, is the day in between is it good? Because a lot of the doubleheaders we see in the NL, yes, it's it's not ideal because you're hopping on a plane, you're flying somewhere. But a lot of the guys say the fact that you don't really get time to practice with each other all that much in the season, you, you kind of like, ha- you, you just get right back at it. And it feels like, you know, you're right back at it. Your sticks are fine tuned, but the day in between, sure. It gives you time to rest and recover from the flight, but then you kind of lose that momentum of, mm-hmm. of just getting right back on the floor. I'm really curious on the flip side, Calgary, man, uh, if, if they play like they played in transition, like they did against Toronto, they they should win this game, no problem. Yeah. I Halifax, think they would be able to run all over Halifax. Halifax has struggled, struggled to get off the floor. And I know Micah Kersey, uh, Stu Montour, is, is stressing to their offense. We need, like, we need to sacrifice some offense. You know, 26, 27, like, maybe even earlier than that, like in the shot clock. And if there's nothing going, someone's got to peel to the bench. Um, Clark Peterson is going to be playing a lot of a lot of defense because he's going to be having to come back in reverse transition and, and playing both sides of the ball, trying to take away opportunities, getting caught on, on D. It's going to be a tough challenge. It really is. It's just, do they have enough? 
tank enough gas in the tank and it's unfortunate for them that they're playing a team that likes to play fast yeah yeah i i think to go back to your your point on the travel oftentimes when we see teams play the back-to-backs it's usually the next night so yeah that that day off is going to be interesting because especially since you have to get an essentially a cross-country plane trip that's going to be you know four and a half five five and a half hours to get to calgary you're, if you can get on that early morning flight, sure, you get some time back, but it, it's not great for the legs. Your eating schedule gets thrown off. You're not, you know, I don't know if they'll have a morning shoot around because it's an afternoon game. So it, it will be very interesting. But we, we saw Ryan Banash. I can't remember, maybe you remember, who did he backtrack in that Vegas game last weekend where he had to run back? And, oh, that was awesome. And, and he stayed with the guy. So, like, they're, they're having that effort to get back. And sometimes that's great, but sometimes you'd obviously rather have the guy get off instead of getting back. But, you know, the fact that you got a guy like Ryan Banesh in year 17 who is putting in that work to try to chase a guy down, I'm not sure you're going to, you know, catch a Zach Curry or a Shane Simpson or a Harrison Matsuoka. But, you know, you could catch a Reese Callies or, or a Jeff Cornwall. Maybe not Jeff Cornwall, but like you'd be able to, to have some success. But I think – if you continually try to bite the snake in the head, you're going to get bit first. So they, they have to get a positive result Friday to be able to have some sort of momentum into Sunday, because if, if they lose a heartbreak or if they get walked all, all over on Friday, Sunday is going to be a tough matchup uh, yeah. against the Calgary Roughnecks. So it is the second game of the TSN game of the week. Doubleheader be myself, Brad Schaun or Chantel Chan. Obviously, you, John Abbott, and Ashley Dockman will have the game from Laval. It is a busy Week 12 in the National Lacrosse League, and I hope you all thoroughly enjoy it. Uh, NLL Jersey, Jersey. You ready for a good one here? And parts of me think, I don't know why, but parts of me thinks we might have done this guy already, but we're going to go ahead and, and see if we did. Along the Montreal theme, uh, this player started his career in Rochester for one year, played one year in Montreal, went to the Bandits for three and a half years, played a half year with the Arizona Sting, back to Buffalo, Philadelphia for a year, to Toronto for a year, and then back to Philadelphia for a year. Pat Gregoire, which NLL player is this? I think I know this one, and it's just because I've been doing research for the game this weekend. God damn it. Is this one Jason Crosby? Yes, it is. I'm sorry. I <laughs> With Bruce Codd and, and Crosby being two guys that played for Montreal and also are going head-to-head in this game, yeah, I know. there was some research going here. I like <laughs> where your head's at because it shows that my head's obviously in the right place too. But I'm sorry. That was an easy one. Um, <laughs> Um, Adam Levy with a great article on Jason Crosby and, and yes. his work as a teacher and, and helping young kids with disabilities play some lacrosse. Um, go check that out on NLL.com. Also, just sidebar, throw the folks over at Lacrossing Bar- or Lacrossing Barriers uh, follow. They do great work awesome. um, with uh, kids who have disabilities, just getting sticks in their hands. Um, a lot of times they get some, uh, whether NLL players or local lacrosse players in market, just to go and help these kids who are in wheelchairs or have adaptive physical abilities, just enjoy the game of lacrosse and get some medicine. So uh, they also have some unbelievable swag. 
So lacrossing bears on uh, Instagram, uh, go check them out. They got some great stuff uh, and just doing an incredible job. But also again, read that Jason Crosby article by our boy, Adam Levy, who continually pumps out great stuff from the National lacrosse league. All right. You called out Jake Elliott and the boys at Locks class for being too soft after they called you out and things just have gone completely out of hand since then. I went full heel. I went full heel. Time now for Box Bets, your source for all the lines, odds, and props from across the world of lacrosse. Brought to you by CoolBet.com. Stay cool, bet responsibly. <laughs> hey, we're having a good day, lads. And uh, we're still in the mix, baby. <laughs> all right, Box Bets time. And uh, again, tongue in cheek. Patty and Jake kind of went back and forth at each other for being too soft in their parlay. So Patty went all in last week. Georgia and Rochester, over 23 and a half, it hit. New York, plus two and a half, they won, so it obviously hit. Calgary, Toronto, under 22 and a half, just hit. Just. Just hit. You were sweating that one. Uh, plus 600, it was a winner. Uh, and lo and behold, uh, Patty, your parlay outdueled Jake's parlay. So what the hell does the guy do? He invites you onto his podcast to make his picks or make yeah, make you make his picks for them. What is that all about? Where do your loyalties even lie anymore? They can't beat him. Join him. That's what Jumbo said. <laughs> no, you did beat them. No, he said you can't beat him. Join him. Bring him in on the pod. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, I'm one. Just here to uh, grow the lacrosse culture familia. Two, just here to grow the cool bet brand. And three, uh, Jake brought me on to the podcast to have a victory lap. I absolutely was going to take it. <laughs> True. Good on you. <laughs> but no, in all honesty, it was fun. Um, he he took it. He took it on the chin. And, uh, you know, he, he decided, all right, let's, let's cook something up or allow you to cook something up. And, um, it worked out well because I think you were you were maybe jealous of of the praise that I got in the group chat <laughs> and said I want some of this. Give me, let me call my own number. So I put put together my parlay for the Lacrosse Classified uh, Podcast Parlay. It's Buffalo Halifax over twenty three and a half. Um, Halifax and Buffalo have two of the most off uh, electric offenses. Um, two of the teams that shoot the ball the most. So I like the over there. Uh, on the flip side, Halifax against Calgary, back to back for Halifax. Calgary, I think their defense and Christian Del Bianco have found their groove under 23 and a half. Love that one there. And I hate the board this week. That's why I went with two totals. But the one that I do like, I don't know who wins this lacrosse game. I think it comes down to the wire. So why not just take the goal and a half, took the mammoth plus. One and a half. The fellas at Cool Bet, the little polar bears in the back shop, put something together plus 630. All right. Well, so technically it's me against you this week um, in the parlays. And I usually don't do too well when I go head to head with you. But all right, let's do it. So our parlay this week brought to you by myself. Toronto and New York under 23 and a half Philadelphia and Las Vegas over 22 and a half 
And then Calgary plus one and a half. I can't believe they're getting plus money playing a Halifax team that's going to be coming off a game two nights earlier, having to travel across the country. It starts at plus 462. Uh, The Polar Bears bumped it all the way up to plus 510. So a little lighter uh, than yours for them, but mine for ours, still a good number. And I think we're uh, we're going to go ahead, Ted. This could be a uh, a fantastic sweaty weekend. When I almost thought about going completely head to head with you and taking just the opposite of what, you're <laughs> but I kind I actually really like your parlay. I like it a lot. I I think I really really uh, like that Toronto uh, New York under. I know both offenses have the capability to explode, but. I don't know, man. Uh, just talking to the, the teams, it seems like they know that this could be a, a grinded out uh, slugfest with those two defenses. Because let's be honest, man, not to get on a tangent here, but that New York defense uh, is getting better and better each mm-hmm. week. Um, I mentioned it. Uh, Adam Levy and I did uh, some midseason awards for the National Lacrosse League. And I obviously gave tons of praise to Alex Simmons, who will most likely win Rookie of the Year. But, man, Mr. Jones in New York, Owen Grant in Vancouver, even Braden Lade, he probably won't get as much love, but there are some outstanding young defenders in the Mm -hmm. National Lacrosse League right now that if Simmons continually or continues sort of his downtick, in production, I definitely think you could see one of those two defenders sneaking in and stealing that award just for the work. Like if you watch young play defense and man up with some of the big bodies in the NLL, he just doesn't get beat. He, mm-hmm. He's steady. He's sound. And I remember seeing him at the draft. I was like, man, this kid is a solid, solid young athlete. And he is proving that his high draft pick, where do you go, three to New York, um, was well worth it. And he's been full value. And Owen Grant has just been amazing to start the NLL, his NLL season. So I, I, I agree. That New York defense has really kind of turned the corner, and it all starts with him on that back end. I've got a thought. Again, this could be a, a crappy thought. But <laughs> the NFL does offensive mm, I love it. I love it. And defensive rookie of the year. What about introducing that award uh, to to the NLL? Because let's be honest, the the young rookies just don't get the praise they deserve. Like you really have to jump off the page to to get that recognition. And talking to Latisor this week, he said, don't get me wrong. What Simmons is doing is impressive. And, and, you know, full credit. He's, he's a phenomenal rookie, but he's like, Jones won't have the numbers to back it up. But when you look at the impact that he has on the floor compared to, to Simmons, he's like, you can make that argument. When you just look at a, a, at a score sheet together, there's no argument there. Yeah. So, so I think the fact that if you were to break it up offense, defense, it's much better. You know what I mean? It's just, mm-hmm. uh, to be honest, I just <laughs> – I think it allows for, and again, I, I've been banging drums for for the D guys for for years now. But yeah. especially this year, this is the year to do it because man, there are just so many young studs on the back end. 
can we get an MOP first? Can we get? A yeah, you're right. We should probably we should probably work on the bigger. But, task if, we, but if we get that, we could definitely at the same time add uh, an offensive rookie and a defensive rookie. I think I, I do believe that is a great addition to the awards bracket um, that you could put that in there. Um, we did get off on a tangent, but again, head over to coolbet.com, hit that exclusive tab. Our parlay will be there. The last class parlay will be there. Uh, the lock shop parlay will be there. Make sure you give them some love and play along with those boys who constantly do great work across all sporting fields. Um, and if you're new to Coolbet, you're new to the parlay system, when you log in, hit that green button in the top right, put in all your pertinent information at the bottom. There'll be another little green bar for typing your code. Use the promo code OTCB and Coolbet will match your first donation or your first deposit up to 200 bucks. So you get some free polar bear money and you can play along with us. Um, did I read right that the national anthem went over by half a beat at the Super Bowl? Oh, it depends which <laughs> sports book you were at. There were some that counted the second brave, some that did not count the second brave. It's uh, a bit of a point of contention in the world of sports wagering right now. So I think next year when you make a wager, it's going to be a lot clearer if uh, when it ends. Yeah. I always wonder, is it when she first starts singing? Is it when the song starts? Is it on her last word? Like how, how do you think is the best way they do it? It's supposed to be from the first word sung to the last word gotcha. sung. Um, and tales failed, eh? Travesty. <laughs> I was told it doesn't fail. Uh, who told you that? People. I don't know. <laughs> um, all right. That's our uh, OTCB parlay for this week. Again, thanks to our family over at CoolBet for helping us out. And hopefully we can win you some spending money. Uh, for next week as we try to win two in a row. Um, Morgan's message, um, Brandon Robinson's donation platform, uh, the league is up to 1,438 goals. The Bandits are at 104 goals, and Jeff Teat is at 30 goals. So uh, Mitch Blyle is doubling that, basically two for one for Jeff Teat goals. Uh, again, morgansmessage.org is the website if you want to help donate, play along, or just follow along. Um, with everything that's going on just again trying to put some good positive vibes out there to people that are having a little bit of a dark day anything else going on in patty's world you want to get out before we go i'm all montreal man that's montreal (laughs) laval quebec laval province rock riptide poutine that's all that's been on my mind for the last 48 hours plus uh, well, one bonus positive vibe uh, for the Jenner family, uh, young Hudson Jenner, the heir to yes. the family throne, uh, has verbally committed, officially committed to University of Fairfield. He will be a stag. Uh, shout out to him. So, yeah, big stag family over here, especially now that Mercier somehow lost to Wingate in their first game of the year. So I don't know if I'm about the Hearst train right now. Kind of frustrated me, um, but uh, definitely roll stag. So shout out to the kid. Um, I know he's put a lot of time in and a lot of effort, and he's just a great young man. Obviously, uh, my nephew, so I'm a bit biased, but uh, they got themselves an absolute gem in Hudson Jenner, class of 29. 
<laughs> Can you imagine that? Class of 29. I feel so old. <laughs> You'll literally graduate 28 years after I did. That's crazy. That's crazy. All right, that'll do it for this week's show. Thanks to Bruce Codd, the Desert Dog. Uh, sorry, the Desert Rat. I don't know why I keep calling him the Desert Dog. The Desert Rat for joining us on this week's show. He's Pat Gregoire. Find him on Twitter, at Pete Greggy. I am at Teddy Jenner. The show at OTCB underscore podcast or on the Instas at OTCB podcast. Uh, a busy week, week 12 in the National Crossing. Whether you're in your Laval, Halifax, Vegas, Calgary, or wherever you are, enjoy the games this weekend. If you go to the game, take a friend. Take a friend, take two. Buy him a pocket dog and a heroin beer and enjoy the National Lacrosse League for all that it is. And until we speak again, stay safe and be excellent to each other. I am an outlaw.